This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Amber Heard not really liking one of our episodes, so she took a shit in Zach's bed to show her disapproval. Did you read my report? Of course I did, and I was very concerned. But when Jaden's social worker asked her about it, she said her father had never been abusive in any way. Of course she said that. She's fucking scared. What the fuck did they teach you guys in grad school? Jack, in her mind, he is always right behind her watching her. When she is sleeping, when she is taking a shit, when she is alone with her therapist, he is right there watching her, ready to pounce. And you just expect her to just come out and say it? Are you guys fucking stupid? Because she was here asking for help, and you just sent her back to the fucking shark. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that has a lot of problems. <laughs> oh, a lot of mental <laughs> issues. I'm Frank. I'm Zach. And today we are doing a little indie film called The Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Starring Robert Pattinson. <laughs> uh, today we're doing a small little indie film called Short Term 12. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you never you never even heard of this movie. Oh, right? God, no. I saw this movie, like, I think the year that it came out, maybe maybe like a year or two after. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fell in love with it. I was like, wow, this is great. Mm-hmm. I loved it. It's a little indie film. It's just up my alley. And then I f- completely forgot about it. And then I was like, huh thinking about movies that we should do for the podcast, and then this came into my brain, and I was like, you know what? Let's see if it holds up, mm-hmm. and we'll discuss that. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, so we are doing Short Term 12. It came out in 2013, mm-hmm. um, written and directed by a guy named Destin Daniel Creighton, who primarily, prior to this film anyway, was mostly known for, like, documentary work. Okay. Um, and I think that that carries style over. definitely yeah. carries over into this film. Um and you have Brie Larson, who plays Grace. She's basically your main character. Uh, you have John Gallagher Jr., who plays Mason, mm. who is her boyfriend slash lover slash co-worker as well. Yeah. You have Rami Malek, who surprises you when you when he shows up because you're like, oh, shit, he's in yeah, It's here? fucking Rami Malek. Yeah. I like Rami Malek. I think he's fine. I don't like him in this. Uh, he's, he doesn't have much to do. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays Nate. Uh, you have a girl named Stephanie Beatrice who plays Jessica. She's kind of like the other co- co-worker that, again, doesn't really have a big part. She's just one of the one of the yeah. uh, facility workers. You have Caitlin D- uh, Dever who plays Jaden, mm-hmm. who, in my opinion, has one of the best scenes in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, you have France Turner who plays Jack. He's kind of like the old guy yeah. that he's like, hey, look at my new lamp. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the commissioner of this place. Yeah. You have a uh, Lakeith Stanfield, a young back a young when he Lakeith was just Stanfield. Keith Stanfield, right? And that, he plays Marcus. You have um, a guy named Kevin Balmore who plays Lewis. He's like the Spanish one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Alex Calloway who plays Sammy, who's like the kid that we get in- introduced to, the first kid that we get introduced yeah. to when he's running away. And then there's a handful of other kids, but that's basically your main cast. Um, and this is a movie about a group of kind of like young adults who um, are kind of like the supervisory staff members of a kind of residential treatment facility Mm -hmm. uh, for, I don't want to say troubled kids because you get in trouble for saying that Mm -hmm. by uh, Marcus, but um, (laughs) they'll beat your ass for that. (laughs) (laughs) But basically they are, um, yeah, they are kind of the staff members of this treatment center and they are kind of just navigating the world that is um, their personal lives and also these kids troubled lives. Yeah. Yeah. and um, and I think that this movie is beautiful. Truthfully, I'll be I'll be honest. Like I I really enjoyed myself with this one. I found myself like giving myself over to like what was going on. Yeah. And I think a big part of that too has to do with like you said, like where 
Creighton did a lot of like documentary stuff beforehand and like this feels very documentary style. Yeah. Um and I like that because it does feel like you're kind of like just with the characters. Yeah, I think that um the beautiful thing about this movie is that I guess towards once you kind of get towards the end with uh Marcus and like kind of like the slitting of the wrist, mm-hmm. I'm like okay, this is going in a more conventional direction of like we need to kind of have like a a big hurrah of right, like a conflict right yeah. thing, and like that makes me go like eh, like okay. Yeah. But prior to that, mm-hmm. I think that this movie actually is very unconventional. There mm-hmm. aren't a lot of tropes that I'm like oh, like the whole idea and concept of Brie Larson's character um, going to the house mm-hmm. of. <laughs> It's actually fucking crazy. Oh, I know. Because it's like, who would actually do this? Yeah. So like you have. Yeah. So like she goes to Jaden's house where her father is very abusive and she's thinking about genuinely going to like beat his head in with a baseball. Yeah. Just murder. Yeah. (laughs) And for a quick moment there, you kind of have to think like she might actually do this. Oh, she was going to if Jaden wasn't. Right. That's the thing. Right. It's like like, you have to think like, no, there's no way that she's going to do this. But I think that once she makes that commitment to actually walk into the garage, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, now she's fully committed. And. That would be quite jaw dropping. <laughs> oh yeah, because because that and then the thing with Marcus was just like, wow, we got like zero to a hundred like out of nowhere. Yeah. But I mean, it ties in like it ties in like Grace's own like past experiences to make it kind of like that she's validated in what she's gonna do. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed that too. I was like, man, like for a fucking hour and a half long movie, you're actually giving everybody time to like flush out their story and yeah, their past. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Almost every character kind of has like their moment mm-hmm. in this film. And even Mason, who I was like, he's just like, yes, he's a lead character, but like, he's just kind of like so laid back and normal that yeah. you're like, oh, like he's gonna, like he he doesn't have anything going on. And then you have like the whole scene of like, all of the foster children with the parents and like, isn't that like he gives, he gives that emotional speech and I'm like, my God, like this is heartbreaking. Yeah. Because Mason, they kind of bury the lead with him Mm -hmm. where he, in the, like she comes home. Um, we're talking about grace, right? So grace like comes home from after work and he's like making food Mm -hmm. and he's, and she's like, what are you making? And he starts saying this like very Spanish meal. Mm -hmm. And he's like, my mom wouldn't make, make this. And you're like, Mason, you're white as hell. Like, what do you mean? And then you're like, so like, and they don't ever really kind of mention that, like, you know, after that point. Yeah. And then you get to the point where Mason is at the, their family, his foster parents, Mm -hmm. um, I guess their uh, wedding, like their anniversary. Mm -hmm. And he's like speaking Spanish all of a sudden. You're like, wait, what? And then you realize like, oh my God, he's a foster child. Mm -hmm. So he like that, that's his reason for doing what he does. And, you know, Grace has her reasons as well as why she's doing there, uh, doing what she's doing. And it's just like, I don't know, man, I just find it so beautiful and so realistic. It was comforting because it's like you have actual genuine reasons that you didn't have to flush out for 20 minutes explaining why these characters actually are here doing what they're doing. Yeah. And he's like so nonchalant about it. Like, I love Mason in this film. Yeah, he's the best. He's... Like, from the get-go, like, he's just outside, like, telling stories about, like, shitting himself while smoking a cigarette. (laughs) And then as soon as Sammy runs out, you're like, oh, go time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I also really did appreciate something that I think was kind of unique for a film. Um, I mean, for an indie film, I think that uh, this movie does a really good job of 
obviously like making you care mm-hmm. a lot, which I think most, I think indie films are kind of the movies that tend to make you feel yeah. more. But an interesting thing that I noticed was there is actually kind of an absence of music in this mm-hmm. movie. And it kind of made me realize that so many films and although, you know, music is necessary, I think for films to kind of really bring home the emotion sometimes. Yeah. I think a lot of times music, sometimes filmmakers can use music as like a little bit of a crutch because it's like, hey, we need to play this song so the audience knows how to feel. Mm -hmm. And this movie doesn't do that. This movie is actually pretty quiet. There's obviously there is music and there are pieces of music, but I noticed how there wasn't so much. And there wasn't that like, hey, we're we're swelling on this moment. So this is how you're supposed to feel. So let's play this song. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Like we like there's just a there's kind of like a trust for the audience to Mm -hmm. be like this is how you guys this is what i'm conveying this is what you guys are trying this is what i'm trying to say this is how i want you to feel but i don't need to have a musical cue for you to be like oh now i'm supposed to feel sad or oh now i'm I'm supposed to feel happy yeah no i get it and then even going along with that too it's like it's it's very unique to me this film because it's like i've seen a lot of films that tackle like mental health issues and they always kind of like bring it to a sense where it's like yeah it's realistic but like it's a movie like you feel like it's a movie yeah this film feels like they're tackling mental health issues that like is going on right now like this is a documentary of somebody who's actually dealing with this like marcus is actually dealing with the fact of like his mother beating him and wanting to shave his head so like he kind of has like new life to breathe into himself yeah like it feels like it's actually going on like it's not something where it's like you know the film stops rolling and it's like okay in those two hours like that's the like that's the message that you got this feels like you know the film stopped rolling but these people are still going on yeah and i really liked that because it just felt the most real i think i felt for like mental health issues in a film in a while yeah this movie definitely in my opinion doesn't again like except for like the the moments that kind of towards the end of like Marcus kind of slitting his wrists mm-hmm. like this movie. And again, it's not like unbelievable. No, I don't think anyway, personally, like, I mean, I still kind of bought it. Yeah. Like, you could tell that he is so depressed. Mm-hmm. So like you, you, you understand that like he does do it. So like the idea and the concept of him slitting his wrist, although maybe a little conventional in the, in the aspect of like, Hey, we need to have like a kind of a climactic point in this film. Mm-hmm. But generally, like, this movie doesn't feel like a movie. No. It feels like a documentary, and it feels so realistic that you kind of forget yeah. that it's scripted. Exactly. Like, even, which is a great compliment. I want to... I, I think I know which, like, scene two you were saying about, like, with Jaden of, like, what her best scene is. Because um, I really enjoyed, like, when she was going to get picked up for her birthday. And, like, yeah. you can see her, like, actually kind of, like, with her nail, like, her thumbnail, like, driving in Y on her palm. And I'm like, wow, that also is something I've never seen before. Like, that, because most movies, like, will kind of shy away from actual, like, physical abuse of, like, cutting themselves or, like, hurting themselves. Like, they'll show, like, the aftermath of it, but right. they never really show you, like, during. Yeah. And that was a moment where I was like, oh, my God, like, you can see, like, the actual pain in this character's eyes. Yeah. Um, which eventually leads to, again, 
what I said was, in my opinion, was her my one of my favorite scenes of the film, and I think Jaden is where she does the um, the shark story. Ha! I knew it. Yeah, which is honestly one of the most heartbreaking scenes in a film that I've seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and just if you haven't watched it, uh, basically it's it's her. She, her and um, Grace sit down and they kind of, she's kind of like, hey, do you, can, do you want to hear this child's story that I'm writing? Mm-hmm. And Grace says, sure. And it's about this octopus who obviously has eight legs and then she, the octopus befriends a shark. And then the shark says, you know, I would love to be friends with you, but can you give me one of your legs so, so I can eat? Um, and the octopus not not having friends prior to this says, okay, sure. Because she just thinks that that's what, you know, friends do for one another. Mm -hmm. And then the, her and the shark go out and they play with each other. And then they're going around and they're swimming. And then, you know, over the course of their friendship, you know, the next day the shark says, Hey, I need another leg. And then the next day, Hey, I need another leg. And eventually the octopus only has like two legs left. And the shark says, I need, I need those legs. And the octopus is like, but I like, like why mm-hmm. basically? And it's just basically because I'm, I'm a shark yeah, and, and I need and, this. And this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like one of those story. It's like, it's kind of like that story of, um, there's that, that story about the snake and the guy going to like save the snake and mm-hmm. then he saves the snake and then the snake bites him. Yeah. And then it's like, why would you bite me? He's like, because I'm a fucking snake. Mm-hmm. Like, or it's like the same thing with like the, I, it was like the, turtle or not the turtle it was like the frog and the scorpion oh right yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's very similar to that story too but yeah. i mean it drives the point across where it's like you know this is a creative way to describe like what her home life is like yeah in the sense of like telling like a children's story air right quotes. yeah and grace's reaction mm-hmm. when she, when she realizes like oh the first leg has been taken and they just cut to her very quickly and she's like whoa and and then they just cut right back to the story and then she just lets her finish and it mm-hmm. just goes on and she finishes the story and it's just like that moment of i'm not i'm not telling you like you know word for word that i am being abused at my house but the implication is so obvious mm-hmm. and then of course she has that really great standoff with uh with jack yeah and jack's like yeah listen we can't really do anything about that unless she like says mm-hmm. That she's being that abused. That she is actually being abused. Like, she needs to say that word for word. And Grace makes a good point, too. It's like, she's not going to say that because she's scared of what's going to happen. Right. Like, the idea, because, listen, obviously, I've never been abused. Um, but I think that there's a really great point being driven in this film about the idea and the concept of the reason why these people don't come out and say how what's really going on mm-hmm. is because, in their mind the abuser is right over their shoulder the mm-hmm. whole time and they can't say anything because they know that if they do, they're going to get abused. Yeah. It's just so sad. This whole movie is, and granted, like we, there are happy, we, right. That's the thing, it. right? Like it's kind of like an, it's, it's, it's a weird kind of balance that that is in this movie because although we're talking about it and it sounds so somber and it sounds so just depressing, this movie, for the most part, doesn't actually make me feel that sad. No. I'm actually feeling pretty happy hanging out with these characters. Yeah, like, even stuff where it's, like, you know, when Jaden Furtz gets brought in and, like, she has, like, this whole attitude towards Grace and 
you know, there's like the line of like, oh, you can put whatever you want on the wall, the wall, as yeah, long yeah. as it's not like profanity. And she was like, oh, so no penises, huh? And, and Grace comes back was like, oh, well, if it's scientific, then yeah, sure. And then next scene, you see like a bunch of like just anatomically yeah. like correct, <laughs> just, like just, just diagrams of penises. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, that's funny. Like yeah. that's, that's good stuff right there. Yeah. Even too, like when Jaden breaks down and like she throws the cupcake in uh, Grace's face and Mason's just like, hey, how's it taste? Right. Like yeah. it's good, right? <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Like there's a Nate, lot of- Nate is definitely like one of the more like comedic relief characters. Mm-hmm. He's like the guy that I love, like kind of what you were saying earlier. Like he's great. He's, he's so fun. Like even the whole idea of like he, when, when he's like, I fucking hate that bike. Because, oh, Mason. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Mason. Yeah. When Mason's like, I hate that fucking bike. Oh yeah. Bike fuck you, Floyd. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, because they have a great relationship with one mm-hmm. another and they, they have, you know, this kind of this really just fun banter back and forth that again, sounds super believable. Yeah. Uh, when they're drawing each other like i believe that they're in a relationship yeah yeah uh and then you know grace has the moment of realizing that she's pregnant Mm -hmm. and essentially just immediately wants to get an abortion but Mm -hmm. then kind of backpedals on it and then then kind of decides that she wants to go forward with it again and then backpedals on it again because grace is interesting she has a lot of baggage that it's because Grace is in that situation where her whole job is to get these. Well, technically, her job isn't because mm-hmm. literally her, her job, like in the beginning, is of the to movie, make a safe environment for them. Right. Her. They literally say, her. Her character literally says, like, your job isn't to be their friend. Your job isn't to like you know, be, you know, um, be their. Your job isn't to be their parent, their therapist. Your job is to just make right. a safe Meanwhile, environment. Meanwhile, she own, that's all she does. Like mm-hmm. she is, you know, she she gets so attached to these kids. Mm-hmm. And, and she's an interesting character because ironically, what she does for a living is something that she can't do herself. Yeah. Like her whole thing is, you know, she wants to get to the bottom of like what's going on with these kids. She wants to help them. She wants to hear them out. She wants them to express herself. Meanwhile, her relationship with Mason, Mm -hmm. uh, or yeah, Mason, um, she can't open up and talk about her feelings with him. Yeah. And it's like that line too, where he's like, why can't you just take five minutes and give yourself the advice that you give these kids every day? Yeah. And it's true. Cause I, I really like that you get sprinkles like throughout the entire film of like what's going on in Grace's mind. Like after like 20 minutes, you start to realize like, Oh, she has like mental health issues just as bad as like some of these kids. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Which is proven when she lifts up her leg and she's got mm-hmm. all the scars. Yeah, those are like deep fucking yep. scars. And then when you find out that her father is getting released in right. like a couple of days, right? And I'm gonna say this right now, I am not the biggest fan of Brie Larson. I don't, I don't know Brie Larson. I at don't all. like her really. Like at least from like what I've I've seen and heard from like. The Marvel films where it's like oh she's every, Captain Marvel I'm looking I'm yeah, looking at like, like her thing everybody right like just hates her okay um and I don't hate her but I just don't like her as like an actor but I think I, she's good in this movie I do agree I, I I like her in this movie I believe that like she is a a caretaker to these kids and I believe that like she is going through like all of these mental issues yeah like I believe her in this yeah um and I don't know if that just says because it's like it's early Brie Larson before like she kind of got like marvel money right. but i i buy into this yeah i agree um uh, it's she's kind of like fits in that early t- it feels kind of like that early teen 2000s of like like the juno era yes. of filmmaking. you know <laughs> yeah. i remember that like mm-hmm. kind of like early judd apatow type stuff like mm-hmm. that kind of thing 
Um, yeah, I buy her completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I don't know. I know that you said that you didn't like Nate, I guess, or Rami Malik. I, 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 I don't. He didn't give me enough to like or dislike. He's he, he's very much because he, he's introduced as the new guy, mm-hmm. and you kind of almost feel like potentially like that's where the filmmaker would. Um, that's the eyes in which we would come in as yeah. we would be Nate, right? Like mm-hmm. we're coming in under, under new in, in this new environment and we're learning what's going on. So you would almost think that Nate would be the, the main character of this film because of kind of how he's introduced into the movie, because you know, they're talking to him, they're, they're telling him a story mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, so he's going to be our lead, but he's really not. Mm-hmm. He's kind of, the most least important character in the yeah. film. Yeah, and he, like, for a while, you're like, he's not going to get it. He's not going to be able to make a connection with these kids. And while he says, like, he's here literally to get, like, some experience, yeah. it feels like at any moment, like, any more that, like, he has to, like, kind of, like, stop these kids or, like, restrain somebody, he's going to bail on it. Um, And then you get, like, a saving grace with it where it's like, you know, he's like vacuuming the couch and finds one of the dolls for Sammy yeah. and brings it to him. Yeah. And like, that was like a moment where it's like, okay, he finally gets time where it's like, he, he gets his moment. He gets his moment to like, <laughs> finally be like, okay, I understand these kids a little bit more now. Like I'm going to make the effort to make a connection. Cause even from like, not just like with Marcus, cause yeah, he said the wrong thing. His bad, um, grow from it. But then, like, later on when they go to play, like, wiffle ball and, like, the girls actually invite him yeah. to, like, hey, you want to do jump rope? And he's like, no, we're not doing that right now. And it's like, you don't get it, Nate. Get out of here. <laughs> Just fuck off. Well, they, well, she says that, too, because mm-hmm. she says the line of, like, hey, um, I think Grace is the one that says it to him where she's like, you know, they're going to want to, like, they're going to, you're the new guy, so they're going to kind of fuck with you. Mm-hmm. So just say no to them. On, on everything and then they're like hey can we can we play jump rope and and he's like no and then the the other girl what was her name like uh, Lisa jessica yeah jessica's like yeah we didn't mean no like like that's not what we meant when we say just say no to them mm-hmm. so and then he's like fuck so like he's like you know he's just the new guy and he's mm-hmm. just trying to learn and i don't know i almost feel like he's not a truly necessary character no but he's necessary for the stories that are being told mm-hmm. to him, yeah. which is fun, which like the, the stories that Mason's always telling again, like kind of like what you were saying about him shitting himself. Yeah. Um, or of course the great story at the end where you learn, learn that Marcus is actually doing really well. Yeah. Having is, a date and having like a cappuccino yeah. in a Starbucks or right, whatever, right. but it's With like the girl that mm-hmm. he like, you know, the girl that came in and she was really beautiful and whatever. It's just like, that's such a, it's such a great moment. The only thing it's just kind of, it's sad that the movie ends the way that the movie ends because it just basically, which is kind of like the theme of the film for me, which is like this perpetual cycle mm-hmm. of starting out just where we started again, yeah. right? Like you are ending right where we started again, mm-hmm. because that's kind of what this movie is implying, right? That like you just keep going through the cycles, right? And like these kids, a lot of these kids, like Marcus in this situation is kind of like an outland, like an outlier. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like the one that was able to that, get out that, that made it. Mm-hmm. But so many of people, you know, so many people who are in this kind of environment never make it out. So that's like, you know, when Sammy in the beginning of the film, he's, you know, Mason's telling the story. Sammy runs out. They grab him. They restrain him. And then at the end of the movie, Mason's telling that story. And then Sammy comes out and they have to go grab him and restrain him. 
it's just like that implication of like, this is never really going to end Mm -hmm. for a lot of these kids. This is just, this is life and this is where it's going to stay. Yeah. But you have that one of Marcus where it's like, you have hope and believing that you're going to be that one. Exactly. And it's kind of similar to that movie that, to that wolf film that we did Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, who's going to make it out of here. And then Marcus makes it out, which is great. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just kind of sad because, like, I don't know. The ending, it's weird because the ending kind of leaves you in a somewhat of a happy state. But, mm-hmm. I, like, because it, it feels light. Yeah. But if you really if you, dive if into it. If you think it, about it, mm-hmm. it's, like, actually very not happy. Yeah. Like, it's still just the same thing going on and on again. Yeah. Um, I didn't really enjoy, too, like, there, the whole idea of, like, grace and mason like their relationship kind of like breaking down i feel like they just kind of like because we're dealing with so much it kind of just like quickly got put back together yeah like because there is like a a big like there's a fight like you know after marcus like cuts himself and like they're sitting at the hospital and she's like i can't do this anymore and just again won't open up to mason you're kind of hoping that like you know when she comes back after everything and is like i'm really sorry like you know i want to make this work i didn't mean any of that you're kind of expecting her to like open up finally and like she doesn't like mason just kind of like accepts her back and then they don't really talk about it and then it just seems like they're fine yeah and it's like like that was the one thing where it's like you you had time to like branch out like everybody's story and kind of get like a conclusion to it except for this yeah and Yes, this was kind of, like, put on the back burner in terms of, like, everything. But, like, you started out with the fact of, like, you know, she's pregnant. And it's now, like, what does she want to do? And then, like, telling Mason. And then him kind of freaking out a little bit. Which, rightfully so, like, it feels realistic as to, like, somebody... Well, he freaks out, but then it's not like he freaks out and then, like, runs away. He ends up saying, like, okay, like, we're going to be great parents. Yeah. Like, it feels realistic as to, like, you know, somebody that's not expecting a child. Right. Um... But I don't know, it just felt like kind of got put back together like way too quickly. But you could make the argument. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I, I agree. I'll yeah. be honest. I, I agree. But you could make the argument that, you know, the idea of them not really like having much of like a, a, a conversation and like really, really fixing their relationship is fitting because that's who she is. Yeah. And she puts everybody else first Mm -hmm. and not herself well that's like one of the themes that i got is like putting your feelings ahead of yourself like again grace doing it for the kids and then mason putting his own feelings in front of for grace right like he he basically does like everything for her like make sure that she's completely fine and you don't really get to flush out like you know how he's feeling right yeah which is it's you know, it's an hour and a half film. There's only so much that you can that you can pack in. I know. Like it almost like I this is one of those few films where it's like I feel like, you know, if you had like an extra half an hour yeah. to draw everything out, yeah. you could have gotten like a little bit more out of everybody. But I mean overall, like you got way more than you usually would in an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. Um so yeah, I, I I'm glad that this movie held up, and I'm glad that I remembered this movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I don't know. It's, it's such like a small little movie that like nobody ever really talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad that you liked it. Eight, eight. wiffle ball bats. Yeah, eight, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling like a solid eight. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so good i'm glad that uh, i'm glad that you enjoyed it um mm-hmm. i have a recommendation so i'm not sure if i actually ever made this recommendation once before but if i did i apologize for repeating myself you did um but i wanted to recommend a guy so all right so this is a little bit of a controversial recommendation mm-hmm. um a lot of people get set in their ways whether it's political views or you know whatever there people get set in their ways on what they believe and i think that it's important to hear the opposite side I'm not Mm -hmm. saying necessarily uh, that I agree with it. I'm just saying that I think it's important to hear the opposing side Mm -hmm. of like these. This is what I believe. What do you believe? And if you believe something, uh, uh, you know, opposite of me, I want to hear why and what your thoughts are and how you got to these conclusions. Um, So, again, I'm not recommending that that you that you listen to this guy because you need to believe what he's saying. I am saying that I think that you should maybe just hear him out and just hear what the other side thinks because i would say most you know people who are listening to this probably most of you are uh on the opposing side so the guy that i'm talking about is steven crowder yes so do you do you know steven crowder have uh, you ever heard of him if do you this know? is if this is the guy that i'm thinking of i think you did recommend him once okay. before so he does like yeah so he does one, I think I recommended one series, which is called Change My Mind. Yes. So yeah. Change My Mind is like the whole deal of like, he'll go out and he'll, he'll make a statement, whether mm-hmm. it's, and it's always controversial subject. Yeah. It's like, you know, abortion, What's your stance like, on? Yeah, yeah exactly. like abortion, whatever. And it's always just something controversial. And he'll be like, you know, abortion is wrong. Change my mind. Is God a potato monster? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but he has other things too. Um, he, there, he just did a thing with uh, his, he has a lawyer and they, they actually unpack the whole like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard situation. And oh, they cool. also unpack the Elon Musk buying Twitter mm-hmm. thing. Um, Which and, fun thing I heard like a small rumor that like now that he bought it, he's going to shut it down and then just be like, hey, kids, go outside and like play. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, that's funny. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah. So I just wanted to recommend Steven Crowder again, because although he has like the change my mind situation, like things which mm-hmm. are probably his most like popular things, he has a bunch of other stuff. Um and you don't have to feel so bad about like if you are on the opposite side and you're like, I hate him or I or I, you know, I don't agree with anything that he says and I don't want to support him. Mm-hmm. I understand. But just know that his YouTube channel, for the most part, is completely demonetized because YouTube is on the other side and they they don't like the, the content that he puts out there. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the stuff that he that he does put out all the views and everything he doesn't get any money from. So he's not getting any kickback from it because YouTube completely shuts off the, they, they just demonetize him because they don't agree with what he's saying. Yeah. Um, which is the reality of, you know, the platforms that we, that we use. That's things that happen. So you don't have to feel bad. If you don't like him, you don't have to feel like you're, you're supporting him and you're like, Oh, my view is going to go into his wallet because in most, in, you know, in reality, it's probably not the way that he makes his money. A lot of time is through like things like Patreon and stuff like people actually like sending him money. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's important to just, like I was saying, like hear the opposite side. Again, a lot of the things I disagree with, but I like to hear him out. And mm-hmm. he makes me think about my my views on things. Um, and I don't know. I just thought that was fitting for this uh, movie that we did. Yeah. Of like Because it's a very tr- controversial movie. Well, I wouldn't say that it's a controversial film. It's just, you know... It's something the whole, that doesn't get talked about a lot. Yeah, that and then the ideas of like, hey, like listening to others and hearing their like hearing mm-hmm. their stories and wanting to like, you know, understand why they believe what they believe or why they are the way that they are. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I'm recommending. Um, so I just wanted to say that I think that it's important. And again, I'd, although I disagree with a lot of what the guy thinks and what he what he says, 
I think it's important to at least hear the hear the uh, that side. Okay. So Steven Crowder, uh, if you don't know him, check him out. Um, and if you disagree with him, that's fine. But again, just uh, don't be so stuck in your own bubble. <laughs> Zach, what are we doing next? All right. Frank, how'd you get here today? Um, I took my uh, my uh, jetpack. You're goddamn right. So we're going to be doing vehicles <laughs> in films. Okay, cool. Some of our favorites. All right, cool. Um, you got them. I know you got them. I got Everybody's got them. I got a few. Yeah. All right, Zach, take us out. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Now, Frank, welcome to Short Term 12, man. <laughs>